We are in a series right now, in case you haven't been around here this summer, in the book of Proverbs, and it's a, it's a series on, uh, it's called Solomon Says, and it's based on that idea of Simon Says, whatever, if you follow the directions of Simon, when Simon says it, then you win the game, and so Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is not a book of promises as much as it's a book a practicality, how to live out your faith, how to put your uh, faith into action in very practical ways. And so we've been talking about a variety of things and uh, over the summer. And today we are going to deal with the idea, and this is the second most talked about subject in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be talking about words. We're going to be talking about our words, the way we talk, the way we communicate. Words have power. Did you know that? Your words, when you talk, when you speak, they have weight to them and they have power. And the reason they're so powerful is that we have been made in the image of God and after his likeness. And uh, one of the, a couple of things that we first learn about God when we begin reading God's word are, first of all, his eternal existence. The Bible said, in the beginning, God Come on, can I get a good amen? amen. In the beginning, God. Amen. And then the second thing we learned is His creative power. In the beginning, God said, let there be, and it was so. So the second thing we learn about God is the power of His words. And then He said, I'm going to make man in my image and after my likeness. And among the many things that we carry as image bearers of God is the power of words. The things we say have weight and have significance and have power to them. Now, there's a problem though. It's called the fall of man. And when man fell, everything got distorted and broken. And here's, the, here's the, the sad reality. We still have power, but not always for good in the way that we talk. Listen, God speaks, therefore you and I speak. Just like He speaks, He's given us the power to speak. And what God wants us to learn is out of our brokenness, Jesus came to redeem us. And how many are glad that He did save you from your sins? But He also wants to save you and me from the way we talk. Because the way we communicate is killing us. And it's hurting our families, and it's hurting our nation, and it's hurting our world. And so God gets us saved on the inside, and then He starts to clean up our act. And the Holy Spirit already reminded us today, I'm bringing you from salvation to sanctification. And I want to touch your tongue, and I want to touch your mouth, and I want to change you, and I want to help you make right choices in the way you communicate. Uh, I'm already feeling warm. I feel sad for you out there, but I feel a warm up here. Amen. So we're going to talk about this. So Solomon says, uh, concerning our words, here's what Solomon says. Your words can heal or kill, so choose wisely. And so we're going to look at what Solomon said. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The words of, a rec of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Proverbs 21, 18, this is so familiar to us. 
The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So Lord, we pray your blessing to the word today. Help me to be clear, concise, and to the point. Please, Jesus. And bless your word to our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. Now, according to Solomon, one is not wise unless they fully grasp the power of their words. The scripture that we read where he said the words of the reckless pierce like swords. He said that our words indiscriminately thrown around can pierce like swords, penetrating and wounding the soul of a person. When, a, when we say hurtful words, we can't ever really act like we didn't say them. When they go out, you can't reverse that necessarily. It's like the wound from a sword. The wound may heal, but the body will never be the same as if the sword had never cut it. The scar always remains. In other words, when we're dealing with people emotionally and mentally and relationally, we're dealing with people's scars because most scars people carry are, di- are directly traceable to words spoken over them. And so we're, when we're talking to one another, when we're dealing with one another, we're oftentimes dealing with people who have endured words that have been cutting and wounding and breaking, broken in their spirit. And so words of the reckless can ruin reputations. They can trigger wars. They can destroy marriages and families. They can cause riots in the streets. They can cause a person to live with a toxic attitude and a broken spirit. You call a child stupid or not worth anything, and that child will grow up spending the rest of their lives trying to rid themselves of all of those self-doubts planted in their spirit. When you're dealing with people who are difficult to deal with, and if it's not you, it's probably the person next to you, when you're dealing with people like that, you're dealing with people who've been cut and lacerated by things that have been spoken to them. Listen, sticks and stones can break our bones, but words will destroy your soul. Words can destroy your attitude. Words can destroy a nation of people. Words can destroy a church. So everybody in this, under this tent today has been wounded by words. And everybody in the tent today has probably wounded somebody with their words. But just as our words can be hurtful, they also can bring healing. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? The words that words can heal is equally as important as the truth that they can hurt. And this means that the things that we say can actually be a medicine to a person's soul and to cure a person's heart. How many of you would like to be a healing, having a healing effect upon people around you and upon our and how many of you know that our nation today needs healing words spoken? Come on, we can text just about anything. We can tweet just about anything. But what we really need to be doing is speaking healing. In our broken world, in our broken culture, and in our broken lives, people need to hear the medicine of truth, of God's Word. Amen. So I want to talk about this. Our words are either moving in the direction of life, or they're moving in the direction of death. Somebody said, 
we have never spoken a neutral word. Jesus seems to indicate that by saying, every idle word will be judged. Did you know that's in the Bible? Even the idle words stand under God's scrutiny. We've never said anything that was just neutral. It's either life or it's death. It either kills or it heals. Amen. And so today, we're going to look at the difference between the two. Let's first of all just kind of look at words that kill. Remember what he said. Solomon said, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You will eat your words, so choose wisely. What you say will have an effect, so be very cautious and be very careful about the way that you communicate. Everybody warm? I, all, I heard it right here. I didn't hear it over here. Amen. Huddle up. Let's get around the fire of God's Word. So here we go. Here's some words that kill. Cursing words. The first one I want to talk about is words that kill are cursing words. Proverbs 20.20 says, Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. And the word curse means to doom or to damn a person or a thing. It is to treat someone or something with contempt of heart. That's what it means to curse. And I'm not trying to be crude or rude, and I don't want to be offensive. But when you damn your car, the damn car, the damn kids, the damn boss, the damn job, the damn government, what you're doing is you're cursing. Did I offend anybody in the room today? I know you say that word once in a while. I've been there. Not me personally, but... We can't damn things and they not be doomed. Because when you send it out, God said, you have the power. You're made in my image. When I said, let there be, there was, and it was good. God speaks good. He doesn't speak damnable, dooming, uh, disgraceful things. He speaks life, and He wants us to speak life, but we're broken now. And He wants to fix us, and He wants to repair us. But we've got to choose not to curse. Amen. We've got to make that choice. And we cannot speak like that and it not have an effect when we're constantly speaking damning, cursing words over our children, our kids, our marriages, and then we wonder why things aren't changing. We've set the atmosphere. But here's what he said. If Sherry, if you'd go back to that verse, I want you to look at it. Now listen to what he says. Whoever curses his father or his mother, watch, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. When we curse, it doesn't just affect other people. It's like a boomerang. It comes back around and hurts us. You're hurting yourself. You're not just hurting others. You're not just, you're not just uh, stopping uh, the grace of God in other people's lives. You're hurting yourself. Because when we speak these words, when we speak these words, it has an effect in our own spirit. And that's why Paul said, bless and do not curse. 
Come on, can you say that with me? Bless and do not curse. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop cursing so much. The second, the second word that kills, lying words. Everybody say lying words. 26 verses 18 and 19, like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is a man who deceives his neighbor. And then he says, I was only joking. A person who lies, Solomon said, is like a man. You're getting out of the way and loaded gun not knowing how to handle it. You're ducking. You're getting out of the way. And then, it, listen, what he's saying is deception and lying is no laughing matter. Lying about this or lying about that is not a, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's like a madman with the wrong weapon in their hand. It can kill and maim and hurt and wound. Now, here's, look at Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight the word abomination means something that is disgusting and ethically very wrong. In other words, God really does not like us lying. He is truth. He made you in truth. He made you and I to walk in truth. And now we know the truth because we know Jesus who is the truth. And so there's no place for lying. There's no place for deception. But we fall into it. Even as Christians, Paul said to the Christians at Ephesus, stop telling lies. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. Don't be a liar. Speak the truth. Amen. So here's, where we, here's what we do though. We, we tell polite lies. Because we don't want to disappoint somebody. Amen. We are, we're very polite. But that's a lie. Amen. We tell exaggerated lies. When you're arguing with your husband or your wife and you say, you always. And you never. We're just, we're exaggerating. We're taking a, 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 a sliver of truth and blowing it out of proportion in order to wound. It's a lie. It's an exaggerated lie. We, we have benevolent lies. Benevolent lies are where we, we want to cover for another instead of correcting them. Speaking truthfully to them. Well, I don't want to say anything because I just know that they won't like it. And, they, and so we, or we're trying to make up for the difference for them. And so we're trying to help them out. So we'll, we'll, we'll lie. That's a lie. Amen. Are you guys good out there? Amen. Here's another, set, here's another kind of lie. Deceptive. We have those uh, deceptive lies to cover ourselves from being caught in a wrong. How many of you have been exposed? You've been caught in your words. And so to try to get out of it, you lie. Well, listen. These kinds of things kill. They kill. Here's another, here's another word that kills. Contentious words. Everybody say contentious words. Chapter 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, 
but a harsh word stirs up anger. Some of us are combative with our words. We're quarrelsome. We're argumentative. We're constantly fussing and we argue. And that's, sometimes that's the language of a home, a family. Sometimes we learn how to... The, we, we have a style of communication which is basically argumentative and fussing, contentious. And it's destructive. And it kills the spirit and it kills the soul and it can kill the marriage. Or sometimes that's how we are at work. Because we got to stand our ground and we got to we got to stay, you know, we we have our ways of doing things and we we don't want people to take advantage of us. And so we'll argue, we'll we'll be we'll we'll be contentious in our communication. And Solomon says, this kills. This is death. This is not life. Look at what he says in Proverbs 26, verse 21. As charcoal is to burning coals. And wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Listen, if you want an argument to stop, stop throwing your words onto the fire of it. If you want it to die out, shut your mouth. (laughs) Basically, that's what David said in Psalms 143. He said, Lord, keep a guard over the door of my mouth. You know what he's saying? Lord, help me to shut my mouth. Oh, I got to get the last word in. Julie and I were fussing at each other about a month ago. It's first time this year. And she said, You said. And I said, No, I did not. And then she said, You said it. And I said, I did not. And she said it again. And then I walked upstairs and I said, I did not. I had a bad day that day. I couldn't shut my mouth. We all have bad days, right? But we can turn it around. Praise God. If you don't want to be in the fire of an argument, shut your mouth. Amen. Here's one other word that kills. Slanderous words. This covers the false accusations, the gossip, the tail-bearing. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. A gossip is someone who criticizes people behind their back, putting them in their worst light. And they usually do this. The reason why we usually gossip is either we are getting even with something that they did to us, or we feel that they did to us that was wrong, or... We're wanting to make ourselves look better than we actually feel like we look. And so we'll say stuff about other people to put ourselves in a better light. Basically is what gossip is all about. And this is also an abomination to the Lord. In other words, he really doesn't like it a whole lot at all. It's not something he likes going on. In fact, he says... Sowing discord is an abomination. Whenever you're talking about somebody to somebody else, about somebody else who's not in the room, that's discord. You're sowing the seed of division and separation. And he said that's destructive. 
And remember, it's like a boomerang. It comes back and hits you harder. You may take out other people, but it gets you the most. In the end, your light will be put out in deep darkness. That's what he said. And so, we've got to rid ourselves of this slander, of this gossip of other people. And there's a danger in slander. Look at what Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says. It says, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into the inmost parts. Look at those words. When I gossip about somebody else, it's like it, it, at the moment when I'm saying it, it seems so right and it tastes so good. But it goes down on the inside of me and essentially, you know what he's saying? It, it becomes a part of me. When I say things about other people, then what this does is it basically helps to create and sustain prejudices and biases and fears and anxieties. When I talk about other people, it just gets more and more embedded in my spirit. And there's where the division comes. And so he says these things, kind, these kinds of words, cursing words, lying words, argumentative words, slanderous words, these words kill. They destroy. Let's turn it around. Let's talk about words that heal. How many of you want to be a healer and not a killer? Amen. So let's do this today. Let's look at this. I want you to see Proverbs chapter 16, verse 4. It says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Look at those words. Not there? Sorry. That's my bad. I'm sure of that. 16.4. I don't know what the verse is, but listen to these words. Gracious words are a honeycomb. Say that with me. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and healing to the bones. Gracious words, sweet and healing. That's what we want. And so, what are these healing words? Well, the first one we're going to talk about is truthful words. Where we speak the truth. Now, we already talked about don't lie, but we want to talk about being truthful or bringing truth into our communication. He says in verse 25, verse 12, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. It is a beautiful thing to be wise in your dealing with other people and to speak the truth and to tell the truth, especially when it falls on a receptive heart. Right? He says in verse 20, uh, chapter 28, verse 23, he says, He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than when he who flatters with the tongue. So you can tell people things that you know that they like to hear to make them feel better, or you could bring truth into their lives. And in the end, it's much better to speak truthfully to a person than just to flatter people. And so we want to bring truth into the situation, into our communication. 
We are to be truth tellers, which means we're to be reliable and forthright in our dealings with other people. And that means even in confrontation or just in everyday kind of life. There are people who are living in ignorance and in self-deception. And they need the healing power of truth to come into their lives. Listen, Jesus came into this world and the Bible said He came full of grace and truth, right? So He was very gracious. And in His graciousness, He spoke the truth. So when He met a woman at the well who had a dysfunctional sexual life, He spoke truth into her. He didn't go there to beat her down or to cast her out. He, spent, he went there by the leading of the Holy Spirit and He let the Father lead Him right to the well that day because that woman needed to hear what nobody else would take the time to feed her, to give her. And so He met her right where she was, dealt with her right there, and it changed her life completely. Transformed her fully. Because He came in grace, but truth. Amen. Or think of Zacchaeus, who was this, uh, basically he extorted the Jewish people for the Roman government of their money. He was a tax collector and not a nice one. And Jesus comes over to his house and he fellowships with him. And by the end of the, by the, end of the uh, gathering there, at the, at the end of the day, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, I'm paying everybody back that I've wronged. Because Jesus dealt with him in truth. Right where he was at. Or think of the woman caught in adultery. Jesus said to her, I'm not here to condemn you, but do go and sin no more. He brought truth into this situation. Think of Peter. Peter was basically Jesus' right hand man, if you will. But how many times did Jesus have to tell Peter the truth? Come on. How many times did Peter get his foot in his mouth and Jesus had to help him remove it? So, we need to be truthful people. We don't need to flatter people. Amen. Now with that, how are we doing? Everybody doing okay? I'm getting really close, Julie. It's getting, it's around right there. It's, a, it's just, it's there. It's not here, it's there. I'm bringing it in, my sweet. So, truthful words. Kind words. Everybody say kind words. Look at verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 25. He says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. The word kind means, listen, this is what it means in the Hebrew. Pleasant, sweet, thoughtful. Kindness helps us to not use the truth to beat people up. See, when I bring truth to a situation, he says, wrap it up in kindness. Be kind in your communication. Be pleasant. Be sweet. Be thoughtful in the way that you speak to people. See, this lets us know right off the bat when he says that kindness cheers up a heart of anxiety. He's saying to us, our goal is not to win the argument. 
Our goal is never to embarrass somebody. Our goal is not to complain to them about something. Our goal is not to look better than them. Our goal is not to try to manipulate them to do what we want them to do. Our goal is to heal them and to help them. That's why we talk. That's why we speak. And so kindness, kind words are for achieving illumination because people are in darkness. It's removing barriers because there are barriers that come between us. It's so that we can dispel the fears and anxiety. You know that people are really struggling in this life. People really do have things that are not going well for them. And they're worried and they're anxious and they're full of fear. And you could say, come on, snap out of it. Or you could say, you could speak to them with kindness and pleasantness and thoughtfulness. Speak truth to them, but come at them with a heart of kindness. And, and he says here, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers a person up. You can, when, by the time you leave the room, the, you can change the atmosphere of that room by the way you talk to people. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? This is what Jesus did with Martha. When Jesus said, Martha, Martha. She was full of anxiety, frustration, agitation. Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You're so worried. You're so anxious. That's me this morning at 6.30. I'm texting the staff, what are we going to do? Somebody tell me what we're supposed to do. Jesus is like, Timothy, Timothy. Cool it, my friend. And then you guys are here. I, can, I just can't believe this. I'm just going to keep going, Julie. It's, I'm back in... No. What, did, what was Jesus doing? He was bringing truth to Martha, who was anxious and discouraged and frustrated. And he changed the atmosphere of the room. So our words need to be truthful. Our words need to be kind. Our words also need to be gentle. Now, I want to read 15.1 again. This is in the NIV version. It says, A gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns wrath away. Gentle, the word gentle refers to a person, we're talking about a person's tone or a person's demeanor. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that you always agree with them, but you're always respectful and you're always friendly when you do speak to them. Where there is resentment and anger, gentleness can de-escalate the situation. If things seem like the, the pressure is building, you actually have the power to de-escalate it. Come on, you have the power. How do I know that? Because you've been made in the image of God and after His likeness. And you have the grace of Jesus in you now. And so you, and, and one of the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. It's right there. That's, 
This grace of the Holy Spirit. And so things seem to be building. Pressure seems to be mounting. You can speak in ways that diffuse it. Bring it down. Amen. And this is ironically, according to what Solomon is saying, is that gentle speech can be more persuasive than the here, take that kind of speech. Like, there, slap them around, you know, with your words. I want you to look at a verse of Scripture. Proverbs 25, verse 15 says, watch this. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Now, when I was reading that, I had to go back and look at my commentaries because I was like, we're talking about healing, not about breaking things. You know what I mean? But, but actually what he was saying, what Solomon is saying is, if you'll be patient and if you'll be gentle in your communication, you can actually take a very difficult situation and turn it for good. When he talks about breaking the bone, he's not talking about literally hurting somebody, but he's saying that it, it, a very difficult and hard situation can be turned around if you will be calm in your spirit, gentle in your heart, kind with your words, truthful in what you say. You can turn things around. Be patient. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you needed that one. Go ahead and tell them that. Two more words. You ready? Two more. I'm doing pretty good. Two more words. Cautious words. Everybody say cautious words. These are life-giving words. These are healing words. Being cautious. Proverbs 17.27 says, He who has knowledge, what's he do with his words? Restrains them. I, I don't know. I gave her the wrong def. Uh, so I'll read it from here. Uh, The one who has knowledge uses words with what? Restraint. And whoever has understanding is what? Even-tempered. So let's look at that word restraint. Do like what Julie told me to do today. Restrain your words, right? Just because you can say it doesn't mean you need to. Oh, I could tell you a thing or two. Well, don't. You don't need to. You don't, listen, you don't always need to say what you know you could say. Sometimes we just got to let it simmer. Sometimes we don't need to try to give somebody the comings up right here, right now. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Amen. And we need to learn to be very cautious and measured and even tempered and calm in our spirit in the way that we're dealing with people. Before you talk, ask yourself, do I really need to right now? The answer is sometimes a resounding no. If you would just pay attention. Amen. Daniel preached a... By the way, Isaac preached a great message. I just heard it last, last night, yesterday. Uh, lone wolves are... Lone wolves. Lone sheep is a dead sheep. Great message. And then Daniel talked about what I think is probably one of the most important things for every Christian is to learn to hear the voice of God last week. Wasn't that an awesome word? And as I was preparing this message, I thought, wow, how... how 
how those two kind of came together to me to even, and this is just right in line with those because listening to God's voice is most important for sure. But a close second, I think, is God saying, do you hear your own voice? Are you paying attention to what you're saying? Because I do talk and it makes a difference in your life. And like Daniel said, it can just, it can just solve everything, right? And then you go and talk and you just foul it up. <laughs> Amen. So we got, we need, but, but the idea of the, the lone sheep is listening, listening, paying attention to those words. But sometimes when we speak, we, uh, we don't need to speak. We need to measure it back. We need to think about it. We need to pray about it. Calmer spirits do prevail. Cooler heads prevail. The Bible says, and the reason, one of the reasons why we want to uh, restrain our words is that we can hear better the less we talk. When you talk less, you hear better. Did you know that? Like you're probably saying to me, would you just shut up up there? No. When you don't always talk, you can hear clearer. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen. And so, open up yours. Solomon said, He who answers a matter before he hears it, it's folly and shame to him. Listen. Listen. Everybody say listen. Proverbs 12.23 says, The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Keep it to yourself. Amen. God has given us our heavenly Miranda rights. You have the right. Some of you quoted that way too quickly. No, I'm teasing. You, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Jesus said, every idle word will be judged. I caution you to talk. I caution you before you speak, think about it. Because this could work against you. Amen. So be cautious. Be careful. Be slow to speak. But quick to listen. Amen. And then the final word. We're there. And the rain is falling. And we're almost there. Here we go. The last word, that, the word that brings healing and life is timely words. Not just cautious words, but words that are right on time. Look at, I want you to see chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. The Bible says, these two words, two uh, proverbs together say, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. How good. So he says, going back to that verse, plans fail for lack of counsel. People are making plans, and sometimes we rush hastily, and we go after things that maybe we should be pausing on, but we don't know what to do. But he says, plans fail for lack of counsel. With many advisors, they succeed. And a person finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word. Sometimes we just need to hear the right word at the right time. 
And people around us need to hear the right word at the right time. How many of you want to be that kind of person who is right on time with the right word? God wants you and I to have that. We live in a world that is out of step with God's time and with God's and what God is doing. And, but you and I, filled with the Holy Spirit, following after the wisdom of God and living in the truth of God's Word, can give the right word in the right way at the right time. A timely word. Amen. We want to... We need to cultivate that in our spirit. And I didn't give, I don't have this verse of scripture up here. But in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, if you want to jot it down, you can go home and look at it later. But this is a verse about Jesus. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. So every day of our lives, like Jesus, we need to wake up in the Spirit of God, knowing that the Lord can give us the word, to the, to the right word at the right time to the person who is weary. How many of you know we live in a weary world? People are hurting. People are broken. But they need people like you and I that have the right word at the right time. The God Word. I, I pray it would be said of us like it was said of Jesus. Can I have a, somebody come and play the keys for me? It says in John chapter 7, verse 46, that no one ever spoke as this man does. How many of you believe that that could be true of us today? That people could say that no one, nobody that I know, speaks like that person speaks. When they start speaking, I feel the peace of God. I encounter the grace of God. I encounter truth. But you know what? God's going to have to sanctify our lips. Remember the prophet Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up? And his first thing was, I'm an unclean man. When he saw God in all of his glory, this prophet of God said, I'm an unclean man and I dwell in the lands. I have an unclean lips. And I dwell in a land of uncleanness. But the angel of the Lord came and took fires, a coals from the fire of the altar, and touched his lips and said, You are clean. Hallelujah. How many want that to happen today? To your communication, to your words, in your marriage, concerning your children, concerning your boss or your employees. God wants to change it. Amen. He wants to change it. Let's all stand together. Can I have the prayer team come? I know it's raining. It's pouring. That's why we should just stay here and pray all day. <laughs> but we won't do that. We'll let you go. But we are going to give a place and a time for the altar. And maybe today, if we spoke something that means something to you today about your words, your communication, issues you're facing problems you're going through, places where you need God to touch you and to heal you, physically, emotionally, relationally, we want to invite you today to come and receive prayer. And after we're done here, after I pray my prayer of dismissal, you're free to go, of course. And if you can stay and help us move things, that would be great. But give us, give us space up here where ministry's happening, if you would do that. So can we all just... Lift up our hands to the Lord and let's just pray right now. Lord God, we just 
want to thank you for the refreshing of the rain on our land. And Lord, we want to thank you for the refreshing of the outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon our hearts today. And God, we do need a fresh outpouring of grace. And Lord, we open up our hands with our hearts lifted to you right now in sincerity and honesty and saying, God, touch us. Touch us at our core. Lord, heal our lips, I pray. Heal our conversation so that we can speak healing words to people who are hurting and broken and wounded. God, that we can speak life into those who are experiencing nothing but death. God, we pray that You would anoint us with fresh oil and grace us, God, to make a difference in our world, to be more like You, Jesus. Wherever You went, You spoke and lives were changed and bodies were healed and the dead were raised and the lame were made well. God, You spoke and things happened. And I pray, God, today that grace would be upon us for our own lives and our own homes and for our nation and for our world, we pray. God, we believe that if we can change our words, we can change our world. So let it be, God, we pray. And Lord, I pray Your blessing upon all Your people. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord make His face to shine upon you, to be gracious to you, to give you peace. We love you, Lord. Amen, church.